Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. If you and your vision are not personal, nobody's going to get a buy-in into it. You can say, I want to be the best car manufacturer or the best in the fastest uh, delivery or something. That's a nice, logical, rational vision. But what's going to get people to buy into it is the emotion. And I train people on listening for an emotional charge in people's language. Because that is a great principle to live by. Because I'm dealing with a human being who has a human experience at work. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Khalid Gorab, who is also known as the Relationship Architect. He's a leadership and business coach. He calls himself a simplifier for CEOs and leaders. He helps businesses and people envision their company's growth and leadership enhancement. His passion lies in bridging relationship gaps between leadership generations in the company so that a legacy can seed, grow, and make the transition smoother, whether at the founder, CEO, or family business owner level. In our conversation today, Khaled talked to me about communicating in a way that creates the best result for everyone. Communication, after all, is fuel to the team relationship. We talked about creating practices that sustain growth, And we talked about getting clarity about and emotional connection with our vision and our why. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Khaled Gorab. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Dubai in the United Arab Emirates, Khaled Gorab, who's a leadership and business coach focused on simplifying things for CEOs and businesses. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Khaled. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Jürgen, it's my pleasure. I'm very, very excited for today. Lynn Howard, who is our guest on episode 467 of the podcast, introduced us and suggested that we have a conversation. So a big hello to Lynn as well. Yeah. Hello, Lynn. <laughs> Carla, do you work with global leaders, helping them simplify their business and enable them to create growth that's substantial and sustainable? I really like those two words in combination. And you also have a passion for coaching. So I'm really keen to dig into those topics today. But before we start talking about all things sustainable and substantial growth and coaching, what's the impact you're having in the world today overall? Oh, man. 
for me, the impact that I'm having in the world today has a whole lot to do of bridging the gap between people and changing the narrative of how people do business. That is a big part of what I do today. Massive, massive, and it's important to me that people do come together, but I'm not talking about the, the fluffy stuff. I'm talking about how do we maximize each person's potential in business so that they can bring out their best. Mm. So a lot of that it's, is around leadership, is it? I believe so. I mean, um, I think... <laughs> Leadership massively gets down to how much a person really brings out their best. And I think today, especially today in business, we need that more than ever. So yes, uh, on the surface, it's called leadership. Hmm. And you talked about connecting people and bridging the gap between people. So um, to me, part of that leadership is bringing out the best in yourself, but also bringing out the best in others. 100%. 100%. Do you know something, uh, you're gonna, when I, when I got into coaching a couple of years ago, and I hope I'm not jumping the gun on any of the questions yet, but if we were to explore a bit of my why, uh, and why this impact uh, exists today, I didn't get into coaching because I wanted to help people initially. That was 13 years ago. It wasn't about, let me help people achieve their goals. I felt that this was already too available in the market. Uh, And what I excelled in is how can I utilize partnerships, relationships, alliances, and even adversaries to get to where we want to go. Mm. That is where I bring in Khaled for my clients. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And I love that you included in that list um, the competition. So uh, where people are in competition (laughs) because that kind of flips the script, doesn't it, from this, um, what's the word? I'm thinking the opposite of abundance mindset. So it flips the script to abundance Scarcity. Scarcity, that's the word I'm thinking of. So it flips the script from the scarcity to the abundance. Mm -hmm, 100%. I believe that when people um, look at the market more as a system, then I get to leverage parts of that system without judging if that system is going to work or not. Hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right, so um, leadership. So what's the correlation between that leadership and that bringing people together and achieving those sustainable and, and substantial business results? I think for me, when it comes to business results, there is a direct correlation between how people perform their leadership behavior and competencies, and the business results. And it's been proven year, year over year that if we hire the right people, if the CEO, if the president is doing their best and we can measure that, then we see that on the bottom line. That for me is a philosophy that has been proven time after time. And there are so many people out there in the market applying that. One of the, um, uh, can we say, modalities that I love using is called the Leadership Circle. Um, and it was created by a guy called Bob Anderson in the United States, uh, taking some of the work from a Harvard professor called Bob Keegan. Um, and how do we apply uh, change into organizations and companies in a way that creates business results through great leadership? Fantastic books that they have. Fantastic modality that really draws a correlation between both. Mm. Fascinating. I'll have to check those books out. I'm not familiar with those. Yeah. Okay. So um, one of the things that 
I hear over and over again, particularly when it comes to investing and investing in companies and doing due diligence in the companies, that people say you look at the leadership of the company and that gives you a, a lot of insight into whether it's a strong company, whether they have a future, whether it's something worth considering as an investment. Um, what's What are your thoughts about that, looking at the leadership as as a guide to how healthy is the company and what's their future look like? I've got a big smile on my face because this is right up my alley. <laughs> Um, so often when it comes to companies, especially in the startup world, when you are above what they call the Series A funding, uh, Series A funding is at the point where the startup is looking to maximize their growth. They've proven that they have great growth. Now it's time to maximize and scale even more. And this is, this is the point where there has to be a team in place, a solid team, a solid leadership. Uh, you have your systems in place. You have everything working a-okay. And when you reach the next level of, uh, can we say, funding, uh, especially from venture capital, they're going to look at the people and say, is this team going to drive the vision of this company 10, 20, 30 years from now or no? And in order for that to happen, we have to have the right governance in place. We have to have the right people in their seats, the right mindsets. Uh, they have to really gel well. So when I come in as a coach and I help these people do that, it's super important that we are okay with the fact that, hey, there are some people that are just not up to it. And there are some people that are doing fantastic. And this is where the fun starts, Jürgen. This is where it really matters. I believe a great leadership in place is going to not only motivate, but bring out the best in people in the sense that, let's say we have a hot day, a rainy day, a very bad day. How are we going to recover? Because leadership goes back to the art of recovery. And in the, in the world of the startups, there is no time to rest. And there's a big difference between rest and recovery. Recovery is when you fall down and you have the techniques and the practices to get you back up and running very quickly. You don't have time to rest in the world of startups. So when I come in and work with these people, I make sure that we lay the foundation for what it means for these people to actually jumpstart their engines and keep it going as much as possible while bringing sustainable growth and results to the business. And eventually the investors will have a big smile on their face with a big check. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I love the the idea of the um, art of the recovery. And I guess over the past couple of years, that is particularly relevant, isn't it? Where there's been all kinds of challenges thrown at us all across the world and particularly for many businesses in terms of the COVID pandemic and, and the resultant lockdowns and restrictions on in-person meetings and so on that, that have um, occurred as a, as a result of that. Yeah, and there are some kinds of business owners and CEOs who really um, saw the pandemic as a opportunity for something to emerge. Mm. Um, and uh, this is what it means to really lead from the emerging future. And this is another book by uh, an author called Otto Schommer, uh, Theory U. It helps people kind of download what's happening right now. And from there, they actually sense internally in their organization what needs to show up. How can they innovate? Uh, and then from there, they utilize that new innovation into maybe improving their product, their people, their services, uh, or maybe serving their customers in a better way. Some of the people that I've worked with over the past couple of years, I've noticed that they really saw things like the pandemic as a great opportunity. Mm. 
Yes, there was fear. Yes, there was, um, you could say, some kind of anxiety. Are we going to survive the market or not? But deep down, there was this voice that said, stick around because there's something great going to come out of this. And that's a completely different attitude. That's something that you can teach, but you have to really nurture over time. Mm. Yeah, that's that's um, certainly, I saw the difference early on where there was a lot of fear and negative talk happening and then you started to see a few people say well here's an opportunity we can we can make some changes here that we need to make to sustain our business through this crisis but it actually opens up some doors of things that we can do going forward once the the pandemic is over um, which gives us some additional product services in our toolkit which will strengthen us strengthen our business for the future so do you have any really good examples you could share with us where people have kind of taken that positive approach said this is actually an opportunity to do something different and and where that's um, served them really well so one one of my clients uh, is a q-commerce uh, business in uh, southeast asia um, and um, before the pandemic hit they were just uh, you know revving up their business model and everything a uh, solid team for, uh, of people who mostly have a banking and finance background. And from my experience, I found that those people usually are great at doing business, but struggle with relationships and partnerships. Um, and that's fine because they, they're, you're really excellent in that area of uh, finance and building a business and putting it together. When the pandemic hit, uh, it was very hard for them to kind of visualize how this business is going to run. But in the world of Q-commerce, Q-commerce is the, the fast delivery options that we have today in the market, you know. They found ways, especially with the CEO, great guy, um, over time when we sat together over about two and, um, two and a half months. Yeah, I think it was two and a half months. We sat together uh, and eventually we named the great elephant in the room. Because we usually call out the bad elephant in the room. Yeah. But there's another elephant that we don't, uh, we don't mention. Uh, and they're like, you know, we're really, we're really committed to our customers and everybody shared their deepest why. Um, and to some people, this is really fluffy, but I promise you, man, when you tap into people's true, true definition of why they're in business, um, they really don't give up. They want to keep going. And so, um, eventually after that session, something lit up in everybody, especially in the CEO. And he decided, I'm going to create the fastest Q commerce approach in Southeast Asia ever. And even when the pandemic hit, they had organic year on year growth, simply because the attitude was great and the team stuck together. Now to some listeners, uh, <laughs> that sounds a bit nebulous, but I can tell you something for sure. It really doesn't take much to get people to excel in business because most of these business owners and CEOs and executives know what they're doing. They're, they, they're there because they know what needs to be done, but they need somebody who kind of creates great clarity and make sure that everybody's gelled work together. And so they can focus on the um, the inputs of business rather than the outputs of business. Mm. And from there, they can drive great growth. So in a nutshell, what really worked was eventually unlocking people's true definition of why they're in business. Number two, uh, make sure that they are sticking together. Number three, acknowledge that there is a crisis, but we want to stick around. And number four, uh, rework a bit of the business model and the mechanics in it with a desire, a burning desire to make things as amazing as possible for the customers and eventually have year on year growth. So this is the thir third year now 
even though they, they've been hit by uh, Corona, but they're doing great. Mm. That's, um, that's a great example. And certainly, I think it's a really important point to tap into that why and also make sure that everybody's really clear on their personal why, why they're part of this business, what their own motivations and what their own aspirations are. And having someone like you come in and dig into that, because a lot of people, you say, well, why are you in business? Well, okay, we're in business to serve our customers. That's kind of a typical answer that you might get. And you say, well, yeah, so is everyone else. What's, uh, what's deeper than that? What's special about you? What's unique about you? And the ability to actually dig into that to the point where people identify what it is that really moves them, that really motivates them, what they're really connected to and passionate about. 100%. And a great question that I can ask uh, some of these people is, why do you wake up in the morning? Uh, to some people, you know, the answer might be trivial, like I wake up because I want to go to work, I want to serve my customers, I want to do this. No, but why? Like, really, why? Yeah. Um, so I totally resonate, yes, with the idea of uh, starting uh, with why. And you know what, Jurgen? Um, the entrepreneur's life is filled with a lot of uncertainty. And you have to have a level of maybe a spiritual backbone, a, a psychological backbone, whatever it is that you decide it is, but put in the work of defining what that backbone is because sometimes you're going to lose touch with what your why is and you're going to need an anchor to bring you back to it, your support system, internal support system. Hmm. So how do you suggest people go about doing an exercise like that? To, let's say they've, they've got an idea of what their why is, but perhaps it's something that, um, they should revisit and they should dig deeper on to have it really embedded in not only their own psyche but the entire team that works with them, even their suppliers and their partners, JV partners and whatnot, um, so that you do have the sense of, oh, we've had a bad day or we've got something that's in our way right now, but that's fine because here's... here's our direction and we've got the motivation because we're just so driven by this why. Mm -hmm. Well, let's bust a myth around the why that um, there's a myth going around uh, for years in our industry, which is the moment you remember it, you're going to feel this awe and uh, energy. And it's great when you find out what your why is. Uh, don't get me wrong. But sometimes, even in, when it's right in front of you, you're not going to get that feeling. So let go of the fact that you need to feel great. Mm. This is not about feeling great. This is about doing great in the world. Yeah. And yes, in the process, you can feel great because you see the results. At the same time, uh, I always um, uh, encourage my clients to have these little reminders. So some people have uh, anchors around. Maybe it's a bracelet. Maybe it's uh, a photo. Um, some business owners, uh, I've worked with them on having their vision written out and framed and stuck in their office or home office. Um, some people, uh, maybe it's like a, a nice little title that they carry. Some people tattooed, doesn't matter. But as long as it's a reminder of what really got you into it in the first place. Um, there's a nice uh, a toolbox that I learned back in the day. It's fantastic. And they have this amazing exercise. Uh, it's made for relationship systems. So it's great for teams. And they call this exercise the relationship myth. 
Mm-hmm. And the relationship myth uh, uh, is uh, around the idea that if I can tap into the person's very first moment when they started, it creates uh, an anchor in themselves that it's always about day zero. Most people forget day zero. Mm. So when I sit with the CEO or a founder, um, and we, sometimes they, they get very frustrated about what's happening around them, and I ask them, remind me, what was it like to start? And uh, that confuses them because why are we talking about day zero? Or I can ask them, uh, remind me, what was the point when you decided that this is the business that you're going to get into? So these little questions can support somebody in having these amazing reminders over time. Mm. And yet, I mean, if I think of my own example and, and think back to that day zero moment, I know there was a lot of excitement about initially um, working out what's, what's the business plan, what's the structure that needs to be in place, what are some of the bits and pieces like um, branding and um, brand assets that need to be in place and what are the key services that we're going to trot out. Uh, but over the years, that's a lot of that has evolved and changed with things that we've learned and we've kind of changed direction many times. And it, there is a certain disconnect, I guess, to that initial outset, even though probably the driving motivation and the reasons why going into that business are still there and still very powerful for me personally. Mm. C- could you, I know that this, the spotlight is on me, <laughs> but just kind of to feed the energy a little bit uh, here, you know, why would it be powerful for you though? Yeah, well, I guess the, the I mean, for me, the history is a little bit going back to the very early days of my corporate world where I lived through the inside of one of the big film manufacturers, the transition of photography from film to digital photography. And I saw firsthand how uh, blinkered that company, and I know know, from reading and from what we know in hindsight, how blinkered the other companies in the film space were. So I was with ACFA, Kodak, uh, Kodak and Fuji were the other main, and and Konica were the other main film manufacturers, and of course there was Polaroid on the on the periphery there. And we all know that you know most of those companies don't really exist in any real form these days. Although Fuji was the only one that managed to make a transition to um, digital cameras and digital images, plus a lot of the other things they've got going on. But that. That, to me, shaped my whole philosophy around, you know, you can't sort of pick a, you can't take a business model that in this case was 150 years old and and just say, well, we're just going to keep improving that model and ignore what else is going on around us, which was, you know, the whole digital revolution and it was going to impact on in photography in many ways and the, the digital photograph and the digital camera clearly uh, torpedoed that business model entirely and uh, rather than kind of pivoting the business and responding to that and looking at well how can we take advantage of that like you were saying earlier how can we see this as an opportunity and not a threat it was kind of treated as a threat initially and then it was treated as no this really isn't a threat (laughs) but the opportunity the transition to opportunity wasn't recognized so for me, that was that always has formed the way I approach business, 
right through my corporate career. And the other thing that happened during my long part of corporate career when I was traveling a lot was building lots of relationships with people and the importance of having those relationships to be able to actually work with people and have the success. So those two things kind of came together at the beginning of my business and that's still very core to me today. Wow. Do you know, this speaks volumes as to why this podcast is about innovation. <laughs> uh, this is fantastic. I appreciate that. And Jürgen, you know, I think um, uh, what you possess uh, as an ability, which is something that uh, a lot of um, business owners, CEOs, and entrepreneurs lack today, uh, is um, to observe certain parts of the system that are not functioning well and creating a negative result. Uh, and eventually, um, at least to the demise of an organization, a whole organization, an empire, falls apart. Mm. Um, when it comes to working together with uh, businesses, it's really important to keep your um, your head down, yes, at work, but also your hand on the pulse or hire somebody to have their hands on the pulse. Mm. Somebody who can actually integrate the business into the real world over and over again. And somebody asked, asked me the other day, Khaled, how do you know if the business owner that you're working with is really going to do great stuff in the world or not. And I say, it's how integrated they are into the society and market. Because if when they are integrated into the society and market, they understand the clear issues. When you understand clear issues, you have a great way of solving them. And when you can solve them, you can innovate. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really important point. And, and I think the example that I gave before, certainly there was, there was a big disconnect there. Hmm. Mm, 100%. 100%. All right. Now, one thing I know you talk quite a lot about is um, cultural and emotional intelligence and how that's important in leadership. So let's dig in a little bit more into that and explain to us what you mean by cultural and emotional intelligence. I mean, there's lots of definitions around, but how do you understand that and how does that play into your idea of a good leader? Mm. You know what? Um, one of my recent discoveries about uh, my why is the term culture transfer. I live in a city where there are so many nationalities. And when you enter the workplace, it's very difficult to deal with so many cultures at the same time. People reach this point where um, they experience something called culture fatigue which is you're trying so hard to deal with so many different cultures over and over again that you burn out from just trying to deal with so many different uh, mindsets. And because of that, it's important to realize that it's not about necessarily dealing. It's about transferring culture properly. And that's where true communication comes in. And I'm not talking about uh, let's do a workshop on uh, communication skills and everything's going to be fine. I'm talking about having a clear understanding of how to communicate in a way that creates the best experience for people and results. So that's the first thing. Second, I learned over time that when it comes to business, it becomes very difficult to really identify what is the people issue. And so these companies hire so many consultants and so many coaches and so many trainers to create these so many different reports, but no true practice is put in place. So when I come in, I don't, I don't just do coaching or I don't do training. I, I, I create practices, something that sustains the client's growth. And number three, 
after we have these two in place, what are we going to do to keep this foundation from falling apart? And all of this was driven by what I love it's called systems thinking. Systems thinking gets you to really see the big picture of how these different moving parts work together. When it comes to culture, it embeds itself into systems in a way that could either make or break the system. As simple as a different kind of hello between people. Hmm. That could, I don't know, uh, <laughs> destroy a meeting that potentially could bring uh, a good uh, fortune to the company. So for me, that's kind of my simple philosophy. Uh, and when I sit with business owners, I make sure that I can simplify what that means for them. Because these people are out there to multiply. My job as a company is to simplify. When ha somebody comes in who's a simplifier, what they do over time is ease and pave the way for these people to multiply properly. So I'm not, I'm not telling people how to multiply. Yeah. I'm actually getting them to multiply properly. Yeah, you can't do it the right way. Removing the barriers and, and simplifying the systems. Yeah. And I love the, yes. love the idea of the coaching through creating practices that, and I'm guessing just by reading between the lines of what you said that you probably help uh, you probably enable them to co-design those practices as you run the workshop with them and then a hundred percent and making sure that 100%. framework then stays after you've you've gone yes a hundred percent and um there's a fantastic book as well i have so many books uh it's called systems uh, systems thinking for social change i'll uh, i'll try and get you the names for your listeners so you can add it into the show description but there was one particular story that uh really hit home with me about how to co-design and they were talking about a farm somewhere uh, i think it was in the united states and what they're trying to do is there's a particular insect that keeps eating the crops so they hired this company, um, you know, for a certain kind of pesticides specifically to eliminate that kind of insect. Because the farmers believe if we eliminate this insect, because they're farmers, they know farms very well, um, that if we eliminate it, our crops will grow better and at a faster rate so that we can sell more of these crops uh, and uh, to our suppliers and distributors. Great. They bring in one of the best uh, companies to do deal with that. And eventually they eradicate that insect. But here's what happened. After they eradicated that insect, a certain animal that helped in these crops growing, their feces would help the, you know, like, uh, would, would help the crops yeah, yeah. grow, died because like they fed on that, on that insect. <laughs> and so when it comes to designing these frameworks with people, it's so important to consider different parts of it that are codependent hmm. and what knots do we need to tie and untie. And that takes somebody who is super good at understanding people. Yeah. Because people put these systems in place. Mm. So that's what I that's something I'm very passionate about, as you can tell from the way I yeah, talk yeah. about it. Yeah, that's a that's a <laughs> fantastic story because it, it really does highlight that you've got to consider the whole environment. You you mentioned earlier being connected to the environment, being connected to the society, and just thinking of one particular aspect, one particular problem, and removing that, there are so many other things that contribute, may contribute to the problem, but may also be codependent on it as, as um, the opposite there, as in that animal that was responsible for helping the crops to grow. <laughs> 100%, yeah, yeah. All right, and um, 
talking about um, sort of these these things that people observe and then look at in isolation and maybe break something else that that is critical to the system working. Um, let's talk about some of the habits that um, we can easily change bad habits that that might be getting in the way of, of good leadership or of you know keeping a system healthy and keeping an organization healthy um if you don't mind i'd like to twist that a little bit so sure. one one of the things that I, uh, that i truly believe in and it's a cornerstone in what i do is gender intelligence uh gender intelligence helps lay the foundation so much better uh, I learned that from Dr. John Gray, the author of Men Are From Mars and We're From Venus. And he has uh, a lot of practices that also work well in business. Uh, and I'm proud to say that uh, my company, uh, Ascension International, uh, is an official partner of Mars Venus International. So we provide the trainings and coaching through Mars Venus modalities as well. And when it comes to habits for great leadership, it's important to note that, look, if I'm talking to a man and a woman in the workplace, sometimes we can say the same things, but to them, they mean completely different things. Hmm. Number one. Number two, men and women communicate and handle or cope stress very differently. And I'm talking very foundational. I'm not boxing men and women or anything, but I'm merely expressing the idea that, hmm, isn't that interesting to find that when a man is overwhelmed, he kind of isolates himself a little bit and wants to sit in silence and doesn't want to be disturbed and minds his own business. And when it comes to a woman, and I'm talking very traditionally, typically, maybe things changed a little bit today, uh, that they'd rather be involved in some kind of brainstorming, support groups, talking with one another, involving them into a discussion uh, so that we can alleviate that stress a little bit. So when I bring that into the workplace, as sometimes at first there's a bit of resistance, well, what do you mean men are this and women are that? Yeah. Eventually people go like, you know what? Yeah, there's, there's a 2% truth there that we can work with. And from there, I can build some practices and habits for these great leaders so that they can run the business in a much better way. Hmm. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And there's certainly, I mean, it, it's not, you talked about diversity before and diversity of, of all the different cultures that are present in the office in um, Dubai, for example. And I know I've experienced this in Singapore when I've worked in Singapore, there's there were so many different cultures represented in, in the organizations there and in the office. And then, of course, you've got different genders, um, male and female, and, and different cultures overlaid on the top of that. So to come back to that emotional intelligence thing, to kind of think about how is the message being received by these different people or how can I communicate with these different people, whether it's... Um, cultural gender or personality I mean different personalities are going to respond differently to different communication styles how can I adapt my communication style so that the message I'm trying to communicate is actually heard the way I want it to be heard mm -hmm, 100% and that's why I believe in principles and then followed by habits mm. so in principle communication is fuel to the team relationship that's a key one. The second principle is, and this is a metaphor I use, uh, and I use it even in my TEDx talk, kind of, I coined it. Uh, uh, a partnership or a culture is like a cup of coffee. What you put in it defines its taste. 
<laughs> what if we're all baristas? What if we get to define how we want that cup of coffee to taste? Hmm. And number three, if we can allocate time to talk about personal things, but not necessarily in a personal, that, a personal way to reveal everything about the person in the workplace, but in the sense that let's not talk about work, I'm developing trust and I'm developing people's ability to handle differences. Because conflict happens in the workplace either on the task level or the values level or the relational level. But I believe the deepest one is the relational that's going to help me with the values. Mm. Um, and then eventually uh, I can tell them, if you and your vision are not personal, nobody's going to get a buy-in into it. You can say, I want to be the best, I don't know, car manufacturer or the best in the fastest uh, delivery or something. That's a nice logical rational vision but what's going to get people to buy into it is the emotion mm. so uh, and i train people on listening for an emotional charge in people's language because that is a great um principle to live by because i'm dealing with a human being who has a human experience at work i'm not dealing with an employee i'm not dealing with my boss yeah so if i can detect that that helps a lot Yes. So I know you asked about habits, but I modified it a little bit, yeah, kind of to give them great. principles. Yeah, and I love love the idea of starting with the principles, and you know, one of the underlying core ones there that I'm hearing through is is that human connection part, and finding that human connection, and that might be at a personal level, like you say, not necessarily getting into um, very personal secrets that most of us probably don't want to share with strangers or or work colleagues that we don't have a close relationship with, but something that could be, hey, on the weekend I saw a, a interesting film or I read an interesting book and start to talk about that, which may not necessarily be related to work and yet often leads to a, a conversation that connects people at a more human level. Yes, I'm creating a community with these people so that they can stick around. Mm. Because as you know, the famous saying, people don't leave their jobs, they leave their bosses. Yeah. Uh, what if I can stay for my community and not uh, worry so much about my boss this and my boss that? Um, and the reason I also go back to principles is because in the in the personal development world right now, people are too focused on the habits of the most successful billionaires in the world. They wake up at 5 a.m. and they exercise the moment they wake up. Okay, great. We know that. Hmm. But does that suit you? Yeah. Does this CEO's life suit you? Do you want that life? I know you want the CEO status and the uh, and the, the perks that come with, but do you want that ritual, that habit? Some people say no. They, and I ask them, why do you wake up at five? Because I read that in a book and it's great and I want to get more energy. Yeah, but why you? Yeah. Why is it for you? They don't know. So I believe principles guide people's values first. And with values, people can show up at their best because that's who they are. It's not going to be based on some book that they read. I want... <laughs> I live to get people to personalize their experience, not just blindly follow a book. Mm. That's uh, that's that's a big part of it, uh, Jurgen. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a really important point there. Coming back to the idea of principles, um, we can read books about those successful entrepreneurs, and we can look at well, okay, what are some of the principles I could draw out of that that are a fit for me personally. And mm -hmm. so it's not about getting up at 5 a.m. in the morning and exercising first thing, if that's not me. 
but it is about looking after myself and my health and fitness. That that yes. would be kind of a principle, and that's important. Yes. And that's an important aspect in um, business success as well. Bob Keegan, uh, the author of Immunity to, to, to Change, the book that I mentioned earlier today uh, from, from Harvard, he said, better you plus better me equals better us. And I was like, look at that simple formula. <laughs> <laughs> If we can just break that down and focus on that better me and make it personal to me, personalize it, it's going to work so well uh, in the organizational context. Mm, that's fabulous. I think that's a, a good point to transition now into the buzz, which is our innovation round. And this is the same five questions I ask of every guest. So I've got um, five questions that um, the idea is that you'll give us some insightful insights, some valuable insights that drive our listener to action today that really makes a difference. Let's go. <laughs> What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Listen, listen, and listen. Happy to elaborate if you'd like me to. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Look, listening is one of those things that we're taught about. Uh, we don't really perform properly. If you can listen to what's happening in your organization, add that to what's happening in the external environment, whether it's the market, it's the world, you will come up with a great idea that could support the growth of your products or services or customers. Uh, and when you listen in a way that you can understand what's happening between the lines or behind the scenes, you have unlocked level five listening. Hmm. Uh, and I'm just adding a random arbitrary number <laughs> yeah. to enforce the idea. It's advanced. Yeah, yeah. So just listen. Take the time to listen. Yeah, well, um, I think um, Oscar Trimboli, who I had on the podcast Quite a while back now, um, he's he he's written a book, Deep Listening, and he's got this mission to create, um, I'm not sure of the number, I think it's 2 billion deep listeners in the world, and he does talk about the different levels of listening, so you're onto something there. Powerful, I love that, yeah. I love that. I think the greatest innovators in the world learn to listen first before they can say, aha. Hmm. Um, and innovation uh, comes from knowing uh, certain founders Uh, comes from great research, and great research comes from listening. Hmm. Wonderful. All right, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Talk to so many people as possible while maintaining my original foundational idea. And I talk to people in a way that I can do a deep understanding of what drives them under the context of what I'm researching in that moment. If I can match somebody's motivators and uh, an influencing force to the idea that I have in mind, it really helps me innovate. Mm. Yeah, I really like that. And so, how do you how do you kind of keep that foundational idea alive mm. if you're getting feedback that says, mm, "I'm not really sure about that. I think that doesn't have legs, or whatever it might be." Negative feedback. Mm. There is, there is a principle in systems thinking, which is all voices are important and need to be heard. And bearing that in mind helps me really fine-tune my questions and my ability to sit there and merely absorb what's being said without taking it personally. Hmm. Because it's a, it's a voice in this grand scheme of things. And that voice has opinions, has a position it takes. I have my own position. 
So I think, you know what? I just uh, neutralize the idea that this person is better than me uh, or is less than me or whatever it is. I just neutralize the idea in my mind. It's just a voice. Hmm. This is a voice and it's talking. It's like television. Uh, it's like Netflix. I'm watching a movie. Uh, while I might emote in that moment to maybe a tragic or happy scene, but at the end of the day, I walk out of that movie saying, wow, that was a good movie. I don't say, well, let me become Tom Cruise right now in Mission Impossible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good metaphor. And I, I like, I guess it's sort of leaving your ego at the door. when you 100%. Know, I truly believe in that. Yeah. Hmm. 100%, yes. All right. Uh, what's a favorite resource you use most often? Oh, you know, I sat with this question for, for so long, Jürgen, and I'm so sorry. I don't have a clear answer for you. <laughs> But what I can tell you for sure is, um, I think it's it's a, it's a value of mine, which is uh, curiosity, mm. uh, and I think um, I developed that as a child. Uh, I was known growing up for somebody who uh, loves to uh, resolve conflict within the family. I'm talking about a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, I was known for somebody who was just deeply inquisitive and curious about what's happening around the world. Why is this person happy? Uh, while uh, this person is sad, a simple childlike curiosity. Uh, I think that's a great resource and it opens up uh, the mind to a better style of freedom in this world. I think freedom based on trauma and hurt and issues that are around me that I have not resolved uh, will create a desire for freedom that hurts me and others in the process. And in the workplace, that can really uh, be detrimental to the overall productivity and growth of the organization. But when I come from the space of I'm curious, like you said a moment ago, I become uh, as egoless as possible. I'm not trying to defend myself because there's no attack here. I'm just trying to understand. Hmm. So that's that, that for me is my resource. Yeah, and I guess um, most people, I think, at the age of two probably, because that's that's the time when the kids are asking why all the time, have that inborn curiosity and yet, it's often trained out of us because as parents we get fed up with the two-year-old saying why 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 ad infinitum and you know you've given every answer you can possibly think of and they're still they're still digging deeper and saying why (laughs) and also the whole school system is is skewed to you've got to learn facts and then regurgitate facts and and the idea of curiosity is not really that well encouraged in fact i think it's suppressed so how how did you maintain that curiosity throughout those those years? I saw the results it got me over time. It created better connection because my story is um, I I grew up in a home that was could you say at times very chaotic, uh, some challenges at home, and that was part of uh, my upbringing. But eventually, as somebody who just was part of it, I became a great observer. Eventually, people became my books. Uh, and I noticed that my silence uh, created clarity. And when I had clarity, I was able to inject that clarity into the system and create a result. And I was like, mm, that's, uh, that's an interesting uh, process here. Mm-hmm. And I kept uh, repeating that process over and over again until I finally got to a place where I'm like, hmm, this is my key skill that I can bring true change and impact into the world. Uh, and then eventually when I got coach trained, they teach you exactly how to do that and they hone it in. Wow. 
So I can tell you for that for that purpose. That's why I'm very very uh, just a curious person. Um, but I just want to put the disclaimer out there because this might make me sound like an angel. I am not. <laughs> there are times where, as a human being, I judge, and yeah. then I catch myself and I say, mm, "That was not nice." Yeah. And then I can just recover. So mm. this week. And sometimes it's good to turn that curiosity on oneself when that happens, isn't it? And say, hmm, I'm curious, why, why did I respond in that way? Even though that's mm. not, not Do you mind if I share a story, uh, Jürgen, about that? Sure. I just came up with a story. So there was one time here in Dubai, I was trying to catch a cab uh, at Dubai Mall, very busy time on the weekends and everything. And there was this guy just happens to be before me, uh, standing before me. And a taxi eventually arrives um we both hailed the taxi and he was standing behind me but i kind of sensed that he was obviously eager to, to catch that particular taxi before me um and i found him to be this defensive and he ran to the taxi and almost pushed me with his shoulder to get into the taxi uh and then bad news was the taxi said sorry i'm here because somebody called me to uh, to pick up somebody so we just st- stood both of the, uh, us there and there was this tension in the air Here's where curiosity kicked in, the proper curiosity. I asked myself, what could I have done to make this person feel like I was a threat to him getting that taxi? Hmm. And I think for me personally, I was impressed by that question because I really took ownership of whatever I created in that moment with that person. And I went up to him and I simply said, I'm sorry if I made you feel like I was going to take that taxi. You were here first. And his guard just immediately went down. And he said, you know what? When I saw you just uh, wave for that taxi to come in, I thought I lost my opportunity because I've been here for half an hour. Mm. And as simple as trivially that story is, but what I'm trying to create in this moment is a change in the narrative of how people behave with one another. Yeah. Th- that to me is incredibly important because at some point this person is going to go back to his environment, whatever it is, as, and he's going to say, people are going to around him and say, oh, these people at Dubai Mall, they're so disrespectful. They do this and they take away your opportunity of a taxi. And then he's going to raise his hand and say, but I met this one person. Hmm. That is a change in narrative. Yeah. That to me is super important. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. And also, it allowed you to find out a little bit more about his situation, right? Which had you not made that content contact and been curious about your own reaction and and your own behavior that how that impacted on the other person had you not been curious about that and initiated that conversation you wouldn't have found out that he's been waiting there for half an hour and and i guess we all can feel that yes that would be really frustrating Mm -hmm. 100% 100% all right what's the best way to keep a client on track Ooh. Ah, Jürgen, this question. Okay, so um, one of my favorite approaches is gentle accountability. Accountability has gotten a bad rep over the years. <laughs> it has to be harsh. Um, but gentle accountability for the people who are high achievers, uh, at least this is part of the people that I work with, it has worked w- uh, well and done wonders. Because high achievers can be very harsh on themselves. Hmm. Uh, my role is not to be a nice coach. My role is to help them get the results. And one of the ways I've experimented over the years with that work is gentle accountability. It's really a gentle nudge to what happened there. Yeah. 
And when they can feel somebody else being compassionate, they eventually learn to do the same with themselves and eventually their productivity improves because they realize, hey, it's not about the outcome, it's about progress. Mm. Let's look at progress. And second, if it's measurable, there's progress. If it's not measurable, it's not coachable. So for me, that helps with accountability big time. I love data. Mm. I love data. So the data is important. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's certainly very valuable to see. And I like the idea of measuring but but taking the approach of if there's progress then you've moved forward and Mm -hmm. often we often we don't take the time to recognize progress we've made but we're really harsh when we miss say a goal or a deadline or something and we really beat up on ourselves and yet we may have come a long way yes yes and i believe that a person who who's come a very long way, needs to be reminded of how far they've come. Mm. And I'm not talking about, look at how far you've come. No, let's be specific. Look at what happened in the past week. So on Sunday you did this, on Monday you did this, and this is what happened. And somehow they sit there quietly and they go like, yeah, I have come a long way. That acknowledgement creates something internally in them to keep going. Mm. Most people forget. They don't They don't have the practices in place to help them track their their growth and their progress. Um, and a great coach is fantastic at three things. Clarity, planning, accountability. If a coach does these three things, that's a great coach. Hmm. Uh, all that stuff about a coach is um, helping you solve and uh, remove the ops. No. A coach helps people get what they want. And how do they do that? Clarity, planning, accountability. It's that simple. <laughs> so for me, that's that's what I swear by. Oh, I can see why you're known as the simplifier. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, All right. Um, finally, in the buzz round, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Oh, man. Just go on a journey searching for why the F are you in this world? <laughs> uh, and I mean that very honestly because um, we live in a world that's not linear or as linear as it was. Uh, and with the world changing so frequently, you're going to stumble uh, upon so many different um, issues, obstacles. Um, but the better you know yourself, the better you navigate this world. The better you are able to plug yourself into any opportunity uh, and uh, even detect opportunities before they happen. Be the kind of person who's so clear on who they are that you can simply sit down and see with clear vision what's is happening around you so that you can get the foresight that you deserve. It's not about let me untangle my issues. That's, uh, you know, therapy and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm talking about looking into who you are today and what you want. Hmm. Let's get you there. But just, just why are you here? Why were you created? What, if, if God had a philosophy about putting together, uh, molding you together into a person to this world, uh, and I call him God, some people call the universe, whatever you want to call them. What was that philosophy? Um, what was the intention behind putting you on this earth? I think I'm, I'm just putting out questions to, for people to just consider. Mm. Oh, these are very grand questions, existential questions. I, 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 I entertain that with people because that is where your backbone is going to come from in this world. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And it comes back to what we were talking about earlier, also digging into why you're doing what you're doing. And that becomes a lot easier to, 
define when you have that self-awareness of this is this is my mission this is what i want to do this is what lights me up yes 100% and today uh jürgen there are so many different styles of how people can express that um and to wrap this up i can tell you this kind of work works for different kinds of people so there are some people who really want that harmony in their organizations there are people that say khalid i hire these people because i want them to get the job done whatever it is at the end of the day, if you know your backbone, you're going to exist better in these environments. Hmm. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks, Carla. This has been really fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you and get in touch, maybe reach out and say thanks for what you shared today? Yeah, no, my pleasure. And uh, if I can offer something to your listeners, would that be okay? Yeah, sure. If any of the business owners who are listening to this and got any piece of value or found one of the principles aligned to them, if you reach out to me or to Jürgen and you want to reach out to me, just mentioning that you listen to the podcast, I'm happy to give you a complimentary evaluation of your business, where it's at and where it's going. Wonderful. That's very generous. Thanks, Khaled. All right. Finally, as we wrap it up, um, do you have some parting advice for our listener? Um, keep listening to an Overbuzz uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, like that. Num- <laughs> the, the <laughs> uh, and number two, uh, keep on learning, keep on searching. Um, I think that is uh, the true meaning of life today. Keep the curiosity alive. Yep. Yes. All right. Finally, who else should I get on the show and why? Oh, I actually have two people in mind. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention two people. Sure. But for uh, for starters, there is a good friend of mine. His name is Sridhar, uh, V. Sridhar. He is a true inspiration. This person, if I can say, has been to hell and back in business. Somebody who lost so much and made so much back. Uh, And another person is a fantastic sports investor that I'd like you to have on the show at some point. Mm -hmm. So I'll happily connect you to both of them. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll um, we'll get in touch with both of those people and invite them on the show, begin that conversation. So I'm really looking forward to that. It will be my pleasure. So thanks so much for your time and and your insights. And this conversation has been real fun. I really enjoyed it, Khaled. And uh, there's so much there in terms of really digging into your why and really finding out, you know, what is it that you feel compelled to do in your life and and really Mm. getting in touch with that. My pleasure. My pleasure. I I loved your questions. (laughs) I love your presence. And uh, this was a fantastic one for me as well. All right, thanks. Please do stay in touch. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and really informative conversation with Khaled and took something away from his episode, something that you can turn into action right now. Are you really clear why you do what you do? With all the uncertainty of the life of independent business owners, we need that anchor and internal support system to sustain us. I invite you to revisit your why. Try the question that Khaled suggested. Go back to day zero of your business or day zero of your current passion. What did that feel like and how are you doing great in that endeavour? What's the transformation you enable? Then ask, why do I wake up every morning? Really, why? 
Is there a story around that which you can tell, which you emotionally resonate with, which people you share it with would connect emotionally with you? Imagine the foundation such a strong why will give you and the connections with other people it would enable. Khalid's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Khalid Gorab. That is K-H-A-L-E-D-G-H-O-R-A-B. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Khalid Gorab. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Khalid, as well as links to his website, his social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. Now, if you've listened this far into the show, then here's a challenge for you. Easy one. If you've loved this conversation and you think it'd be useful to one other person, just go ahead and share that conversation with that one other person. You'll be doing them a favour, believe me. And my guess is that in the 505 or so other episodes that we've published until right now, there's at least one there that's equally as interesting and as valuable to you and even that other person you've just shared this episode with as this episode is. So either pick your favorite number or take a quick glance through the past episodes and between now and the next episode we publish, listen to one more that's in the library and then write me a note on LinkedIn telling me which episode you picked and why you picked it and most importantly what your biggest takeaway was. I'm really keen to know what you took away and what action it prompted you to take. Khaled suggested that we have a conversation with Sridhar Venkataraman, CEO of Accelerate Freight Services, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Sridhar, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Khaled Gorab. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you, a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.